greetings. Psalm 27, 127. Psalm 127. Brother Chris Wallace said something about prayer in his preachiness and the inadequacy. And I feel the same way about this message myself. Psalm 127, a song of degrees for Solomon. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man. So are the children of the youth. Happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed. But they shall speak with the enemy in the gate. I'm overwhelmed, I'm sorry. Godly homes, preaching on the power of a godly home. Godly homes are built exclusively by the power of God. This psalm before us is not an indictment against building families, but a warning of building them without the Lord. Homes can be built without the Lord but not godly ones. The world builds homes all the time. They have children by the span. And sadly it is that many Christians build homes without the Lord. But in our psalm here, we have a warning. 
And that is that all your efforts in building your home will be worthless. They'll be vain, worthless, empty, without value. If God is not the source of your endeavor, your education, your wealth, your heritage, your social standing has no lasting value unless God is the sum and substance of your endeavor. Now, I know in this assembly here that there are many educated people. There are many wealthy people in their earthly standards. You have a heritage. and Some of you rest upon that heritage of your family. Especially down here in the South, there is, there is still an overflow of that idea of family. But those things are worthless unless the Lord is the source and substance of what you have. You can have fine clothes and fine cars and do fine things with your family. But unless the Lord is the source and substance of those things, it won't last. It is vain. All is vain unless the Lord is in it. Except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. You can build your home your way. but it will be worthless. You can labor. You can work long hours. Now, this text is not an indictment against hard work. We're supposed to work hard and labor with our hands. And we can put in long hours. But if you put in long hours and the Lord's not in that equation, it's vain. That's what the text is saying. And so you can work long hours and stay up late and you can have a successful career. You can build great wealth. But if you don't have a godly home, you don't have anything. That's what the Lord is saying here. Godly homes are built exclusively by the power of God. God equips His people to build godly homes. Now, I want you to examine yourself this morning, and we're getting to the message to think about yourself, your life, individually. Think about it in, the, the, in your, your home life. What kind of home are you building? I want you to think about that. What kind of family are you building? Because you are laboring to build a home. I look at out here, I see these children in these marriages, and I know that you're laboring to build a home. But what kind of home are you building? That's the question you have to ask this morning. That's the imperative for you. And I want you to know the, the continued success of Landmark Baptist Church has a lot to do with what goes on in the home. It's interesting that this morning the first three sermons are the church, the home, and the Word of God. And they are interconnected. Second Peter 1 and verse 
1 says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered... I'm, I'm in the wrong place. Second Peter. Simon, Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ... Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, according as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Now, you're equipped, you have the privilege as the children of God, the children of the living God. He's a living God. His, his life is there for you. He's given you His life, and He's equipped you with the life that He has. You have that individually. He, God the Holy Ghost lives in you. You have it corporately, as we talked about this morning, but we're emphasizing this. He's given to you everything that pertains to life and godliness. And if you're not living and you're not godly, it's not on Him. It's on you. You know, you can do despite the Spirit of grace, and you can fail the grace of God. God's grace won't fail you, but you can fail it. And so, beloved, He equips us to build godly homes. Don't give any excuses why you can't have a godly home. He equips you to have a godly home. God, through the exertion of His divine power, has already given every saved person all it takes to live godly and to be godly and to have godly homes, because that's what we're talking about. The power of His grace and the power of His presence and the power of His Word is there for you, Father. It is there for you, Mother. If you're saved, it's there for you. You deny it when you don't use it. It is God's revealed will that every saved person live godly. If you don't, and you cannot live godly, but it's going to cost you. But you can live godly. Say, oh, Brother Shepherd, this is a bad world. Yes, I know how bad the world is. I live in it too. You don't know how bad I Well, I know how that is too. You don't know what I have to deal with and who I have to put up with. I know all about that too. But I know from the authority of God's Word that God wants us to be like Him. And we're going to get on that with the little time we have this morning. God's grace in Titus 2 teaches us to live godly. You write it down. I'm not going to read all these verses. Titus 2, 11 through 14. God's grace doesn't teach you to live like you want to. God's grace teaches you to live for Him. To live godly. And we must learn the value of godliness. I know some of you in here are weightlifters. And you... Yeah. We won't even get there, Brother Paul. 
Now listen, bodily exercise profits little. Now it has its value, but it profits little compared to what I'm talking about this morning. You, some of you want to build up your bodies. How about building up your families? Because I'll tell you what will happen. It is good for you now, that text says, over there in Timothy 4, 1 Timothy 4. It's good now. Godliness is profitable now and in the life to come. Because when your body's rotten in the grave and, and all your muscles are gone, or you don't even have to go that long, when you get old and everything changes course, Yeah? Godliness will sustain you in the end where your strength won't. It's profitable now and in time to come. So what makes a godly home? Well, here you have divine sovereignty and human responsibility. And they go hand in hand. All through the Word, every subject goes hand in hand that way. So let's look at just a few things. I've got four points. I'm going to give them to you. A godly home is built through the confession of sins. A godly home is built through commitment to God's will. A godly home is built through contentment with God's provision. And a godly home is built through careful consideration of the Lord's return. Now, there are other things that we could look at, but I want to look at just a few of these. First of all, a godly home is built through the confession of sins. Psalm 32. Now, I'm like the Paul, the Apostle Paul. I haven't arrived. Paul says that over there in Philippians. I haven't arrived, I haven't obtained. I got a new day today, though. Today may be the day that God blesses me with a godly home. I'm working on that. I want that. I want that for me. I want that for my wife. I want that for my children. May God help us Psalm 32 in verse 5, the Bible says, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Selah, for this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Now, God doesn't have to be found. I'm telling you this now. You, God's not a switch that you flip on and you get whatever you want anytime you want. He doesn't have to be found. When you do despise to the Spirit of grace and you neglect the Word of God and you neglect prayer, and God just might hide Himself from you. He's done it before. And He can give you confusion of face. I know that by experience, and you don't know which ends up. But a godly man will pray, Lord, I'm a sinner. 
I've sinned in this area of my life, I've sinned in this area of my life, and I need you to help me. That's what the text is saying. Godly families aren't built because people are so righteous in themselves. Godly families are built by sinners that know they're sinners, that are willing to have their sin exposed and go to the Lord in confession about that sin. A godly home is not a sinless home. It isn't a flawless home. When I got this message, I began to look at the different families in the Bible, and I was trying to find a perfect family. Man, I, you can't find a perfect family in the Bible. You can't find a perfect family anywhere. I don't have a perfect family. I don't. There are no sinless homes or perfect families. But the road to godliness is paved with the acknowledgement of our imperfections. The godly are marked by their willingness to be confronted with their sins and iniquities and failures and a willingness to confess them to their God. If we must, if we would be godly individually, and that's where it starts, and then as a family we must be willing and have a desire to be confronted with our sins. We need to have preachers that are willing to preach against sin. I had a preacher one time ask me a long time ago, says, do you think it's right to name sin? I said, of course it's right to name sin. The Bible names it all over the place. Sometime in our preaching, we're too general. You talk about general atonement's wrong, general church is wrong. I'll tell you what, general preaching about sin's wrong too. You know, pastor's duty is to know the state of his flock, to know it, to know them, where they are, why they're there, and there's all kinds of ways to preach about sin and dealing with people, but you deal with sin as it is. We've got to preach that way. And I'll tell you what, folks, you need to listen that way, too. Let me show you something over in the book of Psalms. In Psalm 141. You ever been hit? Something with power? You ever been hit with a fist with power or a ball bat or something like that? Did you cry out, hit me again, I like that. Well, I'm going to tell you something. There's something that you want to be hit with. Psalm 141 and verse 5. Let the righteous smite me. It shall be a kindness. And let him reprove me. Now, you should be praying this. Landmark Baptist, hey, you young folk, you got children, grandchildren. You ought to be praying this. Lord, send the righteous man to come along and smack me upside the head when I'm wrong. Let the righteous smite me. 
Let him reprove me. It shall be an excellent oil, which shall not break my head. Preaching's not going to kill you. It's not going to break your head. What wounds it causes, it heals too. See, you're wounded by sin. Sin's your problem. Sin's my problem. So we must be willing and ready and desire to be smitten. Now, not every message is a smiting message or a reproving message. I understand that. But I'm talking about dealing with sin in our families. And you're not going to confess them until you're confronted with them. It's not going to happen. There must be a desire to know we're wrong and a willingness to change. Now, I'm asking you families. I'm preaching to all these families, but I'm, you know, this is Landmark Baptist Church. This conference is for them. It is. You, you young families, you, you young families raising your youngins, where are you in this? Where are you in this? The measure of your godliness and your family's godliness is interconnected on how you deal with sin in your life and in the life of your family. Personal sin must be dealt with as you deal with God and you deal with each other. And you fathers, you've got to learn that you're wrong sometimes. And to tell your children. Now, our Heavenly Father is never wrong. But we are. Because we're like our father Adam too much sometimes. And sometimes we're wrong in the way we exercise discipline. Sometimes we're wrong in the in things that we're saying to our children, the way we say them, the attitudes that we have. And when we're that way, we have to be man enough, Holy Ghost inspired enough to go to our children and say, you know, I was wrong about that. I'm sorry about that. Take it to the Lord and... Have a time together that way. Secondly, a godly home is built through commitment to God's will. Psalm 12 and verse 1. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceases. For the faithful fail from among the children of men. The godly man is a faithful man. They're, e- they're equal in this text. And a godly home is a faithful home. The idea of faithfulness expressed in the very definition of godliness. For godliness is religious sobriety with commitment to conform entirely to God's character. God's will and God's ways. Where are the faithful? 
Where are the devoted and the dedicated and the addicted to the will of God? Are you addicted to it? Are you addicted to the will of God? That's a question for you that you must ask and answer. Are you faithful? Are you surrendered to the lordship of Jehovah? For in verse 4, there in that text in 12, 12 and 4, it says here, in contrast to the godly are those that have vanity and lying lips. And, and verse 4 says, who have said with our tongue, we will prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? Now the faithful don't say that. The faithful say, I know who my Lord is and I want to be surrendered to His Lordship in every area of my life. I want my family to be surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You can say you believe in sovereign grace all you want to say and it becomes just a little symbol somewhere. Ting, 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 ting. I believe God's sovereign. Bang, 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 bang. But if you're not surrendered to His Lordship, just to well not say you believe in His Lordship. The degree of your surrender. I believe in surrender. I, asked, I got folks here from church. Do I preach on surrender? I preach on surrender a lot because I tell you what, beloved, if you're not surrendered, if you're not willing and ready and committed, you will never be godly because they're equal. Husbands, how's your devotion to Jesus? Because if you're not devoted to Jesus, you won't be devoted to your wife or your children. Now, I know some of you, I said, you exercise. I'm just using them. I, I'm not picking on them. I'm just using them as an example. You go to the gym, don't you? I guarantee you, you if you're going to look like that, you've got to go somewhere. Because it ain't going to just happen. It won't. There's some examples of that just not happening around here. I'm telling you right now. It won't, it doesn't just have, you just don't wake up one morning and look like you know Hulk Hogan. It takes work. Dedication. You got to eat right and drink right and run right and exercise right and do all this and invest yourself in it. If you want to be godly, you got to invest yourself in it. You've got to invest your time in word and the time in prayer and time with your family and teaching them the right way and leading them along the way. How are you walking in your home, husbands? I won't even get it to you wives because I won't have time. Some of y'all say, I'm glad about that. 101, Psalm 101. I guess it's a good place to bed down on the husbands because... And that's why I'm overwhelmed this morning. I am. Psalm 101 and verse 2 says, I will behave myself wisely. Now that's a, here's a guy, here's a fellow here who has resolve. I will. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Now, that's a high standard. But you're supposed to have that standard. So am I. 
You get wisdom from the Word. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when will thou come unto me? The Lord's coming. When's he going to come? Well, you don't know, so you better get right. I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. You've got to have the heart right before anything else is right. And then he works on the outside. First the inside, then the outside. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. Well, that's, that's man, I tell you what, you got this, y'all got these things here? I don't have it with me. You know, you know what a dumb phone is? You got your internet, television, radio. I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. You better be careful where you're going. Where you're going in secret in the middle of the night, nobody knows about what you're doing. You better be careful about all that. Do I have to explain that to you? You you grown men know what I'm talking about. I'm going to explain that to you. <laughs> some of you teenagers know what I'm talking about too. That's you, somebody, listen, you can give your children too much leeway to do things. You think you got it all checked out, and you don't have it all checked out. How is your loving leadership, husband? How is it? Because that's the kind of leadership you're supposed to have. The Bible says wives be in subjection to your own husbands, but it doesn't say husbands get your wives in subjection. Because you can't do that. But you can love them in that way. You can lead them that way. You can be an example, a servant. You're supposed to be a servant husband. Gene Cogger said, I'm going to preach a little bit. Come down here. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, think about this. The life of this church, in God's eyes, in God's eyes, is connected to your family. 